0: welcome to our podcast murder mystery and mayhem laced with morality where all authors and experts are invited to share learn and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word i'm really excited to be with my guest today Um, she hails all the way from singapore y'all so it's morning for her and it's evening for me Um, i like to tell you a little bit about her her name oh Help me, don't let me mess up her name. It's Damyanti Biswas. Okay, Damyanti Biswas. Um, she and I met online, and we both belong to uh, crime writers of color. And so we connected there. Well, her Indian debut literary crime novel, You Beneath, <laughs> you Beneath Your Skin, was an Amazon bestseller and option for the screens by. Endemel Shine, did I pronounce that right? Her next novel, The Blue Bar, is slated for publication January, 2023 via Thomas and Mercer, and has already starred a review from Publishers Weekly. Wow, what an honor. Her work has been published in Smoke Lawn Quarterly, um, Ambit, Pembroke Review, griffith review among many others in the us uk and australia she also serves as one of the editors of the forge literary magazine so welcome welcome
1: thank you so much for having me dr catherine it's it's an honor and a privilege to be here
0: yeah yes and she she's also a married lady um, I, I found out that she gave up her yoga session this morning to um, hang out with me. <laughs> so.
1: oh, yes, I did. <laughs> mornings, mornings in Singapore are evenings in the
0: USA, so that's how it goes. Yeah. So, um, I'm so grateful that we were able to connect. Uh, I was kind of gushing over her her books because I am a, I, I love all things Bollywood, and I will make any book. That's written with the background in India into a Bollywood movie. I don't. It doesn't matter if it's murder mystery and mayhem. It does, and so I, when I found out that her books they had backdrops there, I was I was so excited. I can't wait to um, dig in. Um, so so, can you tell us what is your current role in the publishing industry now? so i am an author i have been an author since
1: 2019 with my novels and my short stories have been published since 2011 so that's how long it's been uh, with short stories and uh, i have been an editor with the Forge literary magazine for about six years now so uh I love working for that magazine and we publish some wonderful, wonderful
0: literary short stories. Oh, wow. Amazing. So can you describe some of the projects that you happen to be working on right now?
1: So right now, of course, uh, you will. Uh, just mentioning my novels set in India so my upcoming novel The Blue Bar is uh, set in Mumbai and is set to come out on the 1st of January and uh, of course I'm working behind the scenes on promotions. promotions and uh, I'm also editing the sequel uh, because this is the Blue Mumbai series and uh, the book was acquired in a two book deal so The second contracted sequel, uh, that's also set in Mumbai with the same detective, Arnab Singh Rajput, and uh, I'm just tearing my hair, trying to get the plot right, trying to get the events to fit. And I can't believe I wrote the first book because the second book sure doesn't seem like it. It it seems like I've never written a book before. But the good thing is I know that that's how it goes. You know, even after my first book, You Beneath Your Skin, the blue bar felt like I've never written a book before. For me, (laughs) it's always a first time. It's, oh, it's it's
0: yeah it's the, it's always new. Wow. Okay. Do you ever have to go back for research, or does your memory serve you well, or do you use the internet? Oh.
1: Well, in uh, for the first book, I did conduct a lot of research for the blue bar, Um, I actually went and took the same training that Mumbai constables take for a day, I went to their forensic department and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, went through what sort of procedures they do. I uh, spoke to people who work with bar dancers and uh, bar dancers in Mumbai are very different from the ones in the West so this is like uh, women who dance uh, and they're not very skimpily clad there are rules and regulations of what kinds of clothes they wear they have to dance on a particular stage and the funny bit is that the audience uh, which consists almost exclusively of men kind of showers them with currency notes and uh, the songs are all Bollywood songs all kinds of uh, quote-unquote lewd numbers and uh, I had to yeah I had to read up a lot on that so for the first book I did Uh, conduct a lot of research Uh, for the second one I couldn't visit because of course COVID but I do intend to get it read by people like I do intend to get it read by somebody in the police somebody who has some ideas about forensics somebody who has some ideas about uh, casteism, which is something that appears in the novel, some bits and pieces of religious commentary, which also appear, (laughs) which is always tricky. So all of this, I need to get it, uh, you know, uh, read, so there will be some some degree of sensitivity reading.
0: Wow, so you cover a lot of ground. Mm. Well, can you discuss your journey as a writer a networker, industry professional. In a nutshell, describe how you manage your obligations in in the publishing industry.
1: I began with uh, writing on my blog, which is now 14 years old. Uh, It's called Daily Write. And it has more than 30,000 followers now. Wow. And it just started with me writing daily. So it was like a daily ritual. So it okay. was like daily R I T E, write right, or ritual. And then I added a W to it. So it's daily write. So it's a daily writing ritual. Um. And that's how I began really writing. And um, a lot of my blogging friends kind of encouraged me to write you know, fiction. They kind of liked what I wrote. Uh, I was already writing nonfiction at the time and my mm-hmm. editors said, well, you have like a flair for language, so why don't you kind of get rid of all the flowery stuff in a writing workshop? And that's how I <laughs> kind of started <laughs> like getting rid of the flowery stuff. And here we are. Uh, I, I went on to write short stories. I kind of uh, locked into the Porsche literary group. And then they started a magazine and I became one of the editors and I learned so much of my writing at The Forge. Mm -hmm. And that writing group is amazing, amazing people, super talented. I'll never be half as good as any of them (laughs) and very, very kind. And that's where I think I learned... uh, a to write b how to be a good literary citizen and from then on i went on to query in the uk i landed my first agent in 2016 Uh, and then uh, you beneath your skin happened in 2019 that's how long it took because at that time the west was not ready for an indian story set in india things are a lot different now Uh, But back in 2016, we struggled a fair bit and then I parted ways with that agent and Mm. uh, I kind of uh, entered the U.S. market with my current agent, Lucien Diver, a fabulous, fabulous agent. (laughs) If you're looking for an agent, you can't do better than her. Wow. And (laughs) that's that's how it went. So I did a lot of edits with her. She's a very hands-on agent and... uh, Then we went on to sell with Thomas and Mercer with a two book deal. And now here I am speaking to you. And all of my networking, most of it happened via the internet and it happened via my blog, my social media. And I think the writing community is very supportive and very generous and it's it all depends on the energy you send out there and the energy you get back is also mm-hmm. you know it's it's i get back so much more than i give so i yeah. try to do whatever i can to support the writing community and um, really uh, for me, the entire networking consists of sitting at my computer and just chatting <laughs> with people the yeah. way I'm doing with you now.
0: Yeah, well, th- you have to be an incredible networker, which sets up my next question beautifully, because to have 30,000 subscribers to a blog, it that's quite something. Did you build lots of engagement with your readers?
1: i do believe that uh, you know uh, communication is very important so we can't just uh, talk to people the whole idea of social media or a blog is community participation so it's yeah, a two way yeah. communication so mm-hmm. a lot of my uh, blog posts are set up as questions so I really encourage interaction so you know even though sometimes some some people are not blogging but they would share it on social media and there would be conversations around it Mm. so and because I've been here for so long you tend to kind of gather friends so my latest post I I was, I was sent out a shout out to my uh, blog friends and yeah. I realized that I know so many of them for about a decade now so wow. I kind of I'm doing a feature where I give a shout out to five of my friends uh, each month uh, more often if I can fit it in and yeah. I realized that oh my god I've known them for 10 years yeah. and so now we are friends on Facebook and sometimes we are friends over we call each other. So these online friendships have become deep offline friendships. And I think the, the way to grow a community is just let everybody have their space, maintain a safe space, maintain a space where everybody feels welcome and free to speak and uh, where everybody's opinion is heard, everybody feels heard. And then also because mine is a writing community and a lot of my audience is um, aspiring writers, uh, I try and help out as much as I can. I'm not a great author myself, so I don't know if I can give a lot of advice. But (laughs) I try and ask people who are way ahead of me in the writing journey to, I interview them and ask them the questions that, you know, an aspiring author would have and that's that's how it goes so i kind of build resources and communication and that's my uh, you know small way of building a community it's not a huge community but i feel that it's better to have a small and engaged community than a large community that you are that where everybody doesn't feel heard
0: yes very that's really good so now, I, I think you kind of answered this question. I was going to ask you um, what advice you can share with our author community regarding marketing themselves and building platform. But you, you really covered that. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned giving more than you get, being generous, um, being generous with your platform. Um, could, can you add anything else to that? Because you, you seem like you covered that. Uh,
1: yes, I I do think that's really the sum total of my strategy. I'm not I'm not a I'm not a marketing person. I have no marketing background, but I do believe in having uh, super friends. So these are friends who would support you, uh, you know, a whole lot because yeah. they have seen uh, you support them a whole lot because in in the In the internet world, it's so hard to be heard, right? So Mm -hmm. you always appreciate amplifiers. So I aspire to be an amplifier for other people and I do not the most important thing that I think I'd like to add here is that it's not a reciprocal or transactional relationship it's not like I amplify you Catherine so you must amplify me I feel that it's nice to just amplify you Catherine because I like your voice you have such a lovely voice and I think the community should hear your voice now whether at some point you find my voice worthy of amplification Mm -hmm. is kind of your decision so i think what goes wrong a whole lot is that sometimes people kind of expect that the other person should do things for you just because you did something for them but it's not about that it's about being part of a universal energy that flows through you, right? So you like something, you talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it's not important that the other person should talk about you (laughs) as well. They might have other interests in life and they're talking about other things. But if you kind of go on uh, having your energy that always looks outward and which is always in praise of others what it does for you is that it removes uh, that egocentricity you are looking always so inside of you and that makes you a negative and a bitter person so the b- biggest training i think is to be able to be genuinely really happy for the success of others, yeah. because that brings you into a good energy space, and uh, it sounds very new age. <laughs> no, it sounds amazing.
0: You don't even need me. I mean, I think I should just excuse myself and just <laughs> let you go. This is amazing. Yeah. So, so this is what
1: I believe in. So that's yeah. that's really how I function, and I do believe that you know a hand that's downturned in giving is looks much more graceful than a hand that's upturned in asking always that's right so you you keep giving and that's that's all it is none of it belongs to you you never came with it and you're not right. going to go away with it whatever comes through you should just be given because that's the that's its nature the nature mm-hmm. is of anything is giving so be it support be it uh, writing uh, craft advice be it uh, you know social media amplification do it naturally as it comes to you and mm-hmm. that's also good for your mental health because it keeps you <laughs> relatively stress-free
0: yes and i like i like that you know you you offer the advice of taking your eyes off of just yourself and seeing how you can bless other people and give to other people because the truth is there can be the battle of discouragement as an author. I don't I I know everybody is different but I spend quite a bit of time being isolated. You know (laughs) I'm I'm isolated a lot in order to to get my work done. Uh, you know, I'm not, in, I'm not in a big office or, or with a whole bunch of colleagues. And we do, like you said before, we do connect often in our writer community and thank goodness for the internet and um, author communities that you can also connect with in person. But some of us are discouraged with common struggles like isolation, rejection, and marketing. <laughs> What encouragement and advice can you offer to people struggling with that?
1: I am a part of a lot of author groups and this comes in so much, so, so much. So thank you for that question. For me, the answer really is putting our mental health first. So Mm -hmm. the most important thing is self-care. So searching for validation within first so finding joy in doing the process like in you know uh, noticing the fact when you write a good sentence which you feel oh I made that sing or finish that story and say I actually finished that novel or you know when a plot hole kind of magically fixes itself because you've done so much research and a few chapters down you're like oh no no he didn't go there he actually went there and taking joy in the process so the journey is the destination so if we take joy in the everydayness of writing Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of fills up the well which is drained by the world outside so every time we send something out uh, chances are 99% you'll be rejected so and that doesn't stop with you know just querying or uh you know in trad publications so it's not just querying or it's not just sending your book out on submission to editors or you know it doesn't stop with pitching to podcasters like you (laughs) or you know booksellers or librarians you will be rejected right so if you have your energy is already full you have joy inside of you and you do not depend on others for your joy, so you already have a well that is full. Okay. And then when you go and approach people, uh, if you take it and And understand it from the other person's point of view so if a magazine is refusing your submission or if an agent is refusing uh, you know your query or if one of your book tanks you're a social media person you know sorry you're a self-published person and somebody on social media says something about your book which is not complimentary or you know any of those rejections Uh, you know that you yourself, A, you are very centered within you. And B, if you look at it from that person's view, saying, okay, maybe that magazine has already published something like mine. And as an editor, I can tell you that a lot of considerations go into publishing a story and it's all very subjective. So sometimes Mm -hmm. a story I love, is not liked by one of the other editors which is fine but Mm -hmm. i realize how subjective it is and if you go into for example sit at a reader's group quietly join a facebook readers group and you will see that the same book that somebody is like in ecstasies over Mm -hmm. the other person would be like oh my god i couldn't (laughs) even go beyond the third page yeah so then you realize how subjective it is so again what happens is you realize that it is not about you so when you realize that the entire submission process the process of reading the entire process of publishing it's not about you what is about you is your own creative process the process within you is you and that is the only thing really that you have any control over you do not have any control over the publishing process you don't have any control over how people even interpret your uh, writing so even if you have a very successful book somebody might come and tell you oh you know this is like that it's this is not what what i i i like this this way of retelling the myth it goes against my uh, religious feelings or whatever it is you know people will have their own commentary but we need to remember that it is not about us outside of our writing studio it's not about us the book the story it becomes a product and it is something that is not us. The us part is what gives us joy. The not us part is the part of the stories or the book's journey. So it has its own life, its own journey. Our duty towards it is to support it as much as we can. And every time a rejection comes in, we need to remember that it really is not personal. Nobody yeah. hates us. You yeah. know that, oh, I hate Tamyanti Biswas, I will not look at her query, or I will not look at her book. It's not that, I mean, you know, people might hate the blue bar because they don't like thrillers. They might not yeah. even like the color blue and the cover doesn't appeal to them, right? So, or they read the first line and they're like, oh, Mumbai. even goes there no i don't need it so you know it's not personal and you will always have people who will resonate with your voice and Mm -hmm. those are the people you write for and whenever you're writing keep that within you keep the joy of the process within you and keep publishing outside the door do not bring publishing into the room where you're writing
0: oh i love that oh my goodness (laughs) I feel like I'm, I'm sitting on your couch, you know, getting help myself. <laughs> that is some good word. Great <laughs> word. I hope people leaned in and they just, they they go back and keep on listening <laughs> to this podcast because you have said some incredible things here. Wow. Well, what's, what's one method that you can share with us in how you keep, or know organize and focus because as a writer oh my gosh we have to be organized and focused don't we so can you just share like Um, one one way
1: well the one thing that i find very helpful is dividing my time so i'm very um focused about my writing time i jealously guard it so i discovered that first thing in the morning is my best writing time and that's when i function the best so i just keep it aside and try not to do any marketing in that time sometimes it becomes inevitable in which case I just forgive myself I just say okay today is not going to turn out to be a writing day and I think we writers self-flagellate a lot so even in organization we need to forgive ourselves it's okay to be disorganized I mean sometimes we are and that's all there is to it sometimes we do double book sometimes we do make a mess of things we we have all the notes apps and we have all the things written down we set alarms and then things happen right things go wrong and it's important to forgive ourselves that's a strange advice to give on organization but keeping ourselves organized gets to be so stressful it becomes its own stress right because it becomes like how many things are we forgetting so I think my advice would be you are doing your best trust me if you're listening to this podcast you already are listening and trying to get things right and you know get organized so if you're not organized on a given day forgive yourself And we all fail at organizing unless we are the personality type where organization is our strong suit and there are those of us and we take tips from them but not all of us are great at organizing ourselves and Mm -hmm.
0: that's perfectly fine yeah i like that you said to forgive yourself because i think with writers first of all it's an incredible community and you did uh, mention that I, i feel blessed to be part of a writing community because we are just some of the most supportive, wonderful people to each other. But to ourselves, often not so much because I find myself, you, you, you know, ha- like counseling other writers um, because I'm like, this, this is such a great writer. They, what is happening? Where they will win a contest, they will publish a book, and then they're, they are just beating themselves up about what they're not doing. And I find I do that because my husband is like, you are just your worst critic. You did, what is wrong with you? But I guess it comes with the territory. So it's good that you ra- reminded us about that to forgive yourself, you know, and you talked before about taking care of having good self-care habits. And so th- that, that's really great advice because we tend to beat ourselves up
1: that's horrible organization advice but i don't think you anybody needs organization advice from me i think people do their best to get organized and you know by the time we're all adults we figure out our own ways and you don't need a scatterbrain writer giving you advice about organizing things all i know is i protect my writing space for a writer that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. We tend to lose sight of that because we give publishing so much more importance. But writing is where it is, right? Because if yeah. you don't write, you are you don't have joy, and then you don't have anything to
0: publish. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, I so know so the organization protect. I care what? about. That's that's <laughs> <excellent laughs> organization <laughs> advice. Protect your writing time, like against, no matter what, protect your time.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, the tagline of, of my podcast is lace, you know, um, lacing with morality. That's important to me because I like writing about dark stuff. Uh, I am drawn to it. I love reading thrillers. I love watching thrillers. But, uh, but I'm always rooting for the good guy. I'm always rooting for good against evil to overcome light with um to, to overcome darkness with light um but how do you recommend doing that how do you recommend lacing our author platforms with this spirit of mor- morality and moral messages
1: i don't know if i consciously lace my writing with morality uh, to me i write from a place of Understanding and compassion and mm-hmm. empathy. Yes. And I find that uh, to me, even though I write uh, thrillers and crime novels, uh, to me, the why done it is more important than the who done it. I mean, mm-hmm. even with you beneath your skin, uh, it, it was not about who was the serial killer, it was yeah. more about what is it. In our society in our system that actually enables a serial killer what is it that gives birth to a serial killer what is it that leads people to a life of crime so uh, morality in some ways is a privilege because when you are hungry it's not easy to be moral when you are abused, it's not easy to be moral. When you are depressed, it's not easy to be moral. So to have empathy, I think is very important and to understand why somebody does something. I'm a strong proponent of social justice. So my first book is about acid attack uh, survivors who you know, go on to lead a life after having their face destroyed by acid. Um, In the second book, I do have um, bar dancers who are, uh, you know, trafficking, human trafficking. So the protagonist has been sold to this bar dancing scenario by her own father when she was 13 years old. Mm. So I kind of talk about what the society is like right now and I try to be as uh, honest and authentic about the story the characters and the setting and then i want to really respect my reader because i think my reader is far far wiser than i am i always assume that my readers are really wise people who have so much more to teach me than i have to teach them so it is not my business to teach. It is not my business to share morals or morality. It is just my business to write a good story, to write it with empathy and compassion and deep humility and respect for both my characters and my readers.
0: Yeah, How but the you- morality yeah. emerges from there yes. is not my business. But you know, that is, that's great that you said it in that way, because those things that you spoke about some, someone who has empathy and humility and compassion, you you are not preaching to anyone because no one likes to hear preaching. So you are demonstrating, um, how we, how, how important those attributes are. And, And I love that you said that morality is a privilege. And it's not easy to be moral, especially when you have so many things happening. Can you tell, backtrack a little bit and tell me about um, the people who are survivors of acid attacks? Is that something that you've, you have been privy to? You've seen it in, 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 a, in your culture?
1: Well, the way it began was when I was writing, uh, I began writing the novel in 2011-2012 when the uh, Nirbhaya gang rape, as it is called in India. uh, A woman was gang raped by five men or six men while she was out on a date with her boyfriend at eight in the evening. on a road in a moving bus. So they thought it was just a normal bus, but it was a bus with these goons and they uh, brutally gang raped her and with an iron rod and her intestines were on the road and she was, uh, you know, she died of her injuries very slowly. And it hit me very close, to, to my heart because I was in Delhi, I was on those roads just yeah. a few years before that and now I had a distance at the time I had moved to Singapore but I knew what was going on in Delhi right. and I was writing this novel and um, at the time this because this affected me so much I wanted to write about uh, the violence against women I couldn't write about anything else not that I wanted to write about it but there was nothing else I could write about Mm -hmm. I found myself obsessively writing about it and then I thought uh, a woman who's been raped you can't see it right like if you meet a woman who's been abused and you met her at a cafe or a meeting or anywhere you
0: Mm -hmm. wouldn't know right? right
1: but what happens when that is visible like there are, there are pluses and minuses to the struggles of both. For somebody who it is not visible, you cannot empathize. But right. also you do not stigmatize, right? Because you don't know. But an acid attack survivor carries it on her face. So she has no face left. Literally mm. there is nothing left. Mm. And it became like a plot point in my novel. And then I kind of had this, uh, because, like as I said before, for me, it is very important to respect the character I'm writing about, and then I realized I'm not respecting the character if I don't know. I mean I have never been acid attacked. I don't know what it is like, and maybe it's not even my space you know to write about it. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just appropriating someone else's voice. so I just started looking up uh you know writings by people who have suffered acid attack and I found that most of them are memoir. They are not there's not a lot of novels in this. There's no fictional account of this. And I said, at any rate, let me find out more about acid attack survivors. So I was in India, I always, uh, at that time I was volunteering for this organization called Project Y which works with underprivileged women and children and so I was in Delhi so I found out about this organization called Stop Acid Attacks and then I met some acid attack survivors and the first time I met them I was horrified because I was sitting there and I was horrified with myself. Because of how scared I was, right? Because to me, these women look like Halloween monsters. But these are just little girls, right? These are 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 20-year-olds. And some have been acid-attacked by their own father when they were 2 years old. Somebody has been acid-attacked by a a boy who, who thought you know, who who sent them a Valentine's greeting card and she rejected it, so he threw acid. Somebody has been acid attacked because she was not able to give birth to sons. So her husband threw acid on her. What? So all of these women, and they were all sitting and chatting. And after a while, as I sat with them, I realized that they're all women. And to them, they, they, they don't see what has happened to them as a lot, in a lot of cases even a tragedy for some of them they said i'm so lucky this happened to me because now i have a voice you've actually come to listen to me otherwise when i was a woman being abused in my own household by my own husband i didn't have a voice when he threw acid on me then the society came and kind of uh tried to help me so my goodness that was and absolutely for me there was a tectonic shift inside yeah. of me because here is somebody who has faced an incredible horror and is calling that a good fortune and right. that's the society that i was born in and uh, i'm a woman from that same city right. and here's another woman from that same city and that's how uh, you beneath your skin came to be i think wow. i I wrote it over a period of years. I wrote it, I rewrote it. I didn't know how to write a novel. So it took me like five or six mm-hmm. years of, right. you know, kind of experimenting and all this while I was volunteering with them, with these women. And I kind of internalized as much as I could their experiences. I still don't think You Beneath Your Skin is like, it's my job, it, it's my area, my purview to have written that book, but that book came to me and I wrote it the best I could. So uh in the end uh after the book was uh sold i had uh I had spoken to these women and i had spoken to people at project Y, and you know when i've been volunteering with them and i'd say to them you know i don't like all this marketing i don't like i don't know how i'm going to do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know i think i'm just going to let it go out there and do its own thing yeah. and they said ma'am you are able to do it because in india they call you ma'am right yeah so are you able to do this but If you don't want the money, it's okay. Give the money to us. We need the money. I need the money for my eye operation. And then Mm -hmm. again, that was another shift because it was a slap in the face. I was like, right. She needs the operation because she's going blind and you know she doesn't have money and here i am saying i don't need money and i'm not good i'm just going to toss the book out there and hide so then finally i decided that the proceeds of that first book would go to project y and stop asset attacks equally and that's been happening for the last however much time so the option money all of the money goes to them so it just goes from my ex-agent straight to them. So I don't see any of it. It just goes straight to them.
0: Oh my goodness. So, how generous. Tell me the name of that organization again.
1: Uh, Project Y. P-R-O-J-E-C-T. Project W-H-Y. Just, yeah. And the other one is Stop Acid Attacks. And they they have a wonderful presence on the internet, and they do a lot of good work. I still volunteer from them for them whenever I can. It's reduced a bit as my author life has grown and with COVID, but I'm going back to India now again this year, and hopefully I I hope to you know visit them again, and do whatever little I can. So uh, yeah, that that is where the acid attack entire situation came in I think it it, I don't know why it was sent to me or I was sent to them but maybe you know I needed a few whacks in the face to wake me up to my privilege and that was the universe's extremely gentle and extremely kind way
0: to wake me up to my own privilege yeah and I like that the women that you interacted with saw you as a vehicle for their voice you know to project their voice out into the universe even though it's a fictionalized story it's based on actual things that happen and so it gives it gives their tragedy exposure and hopefully intervention
1: Uh oh actually i think they don't depend on me for exposure or for amplifying their voices they are now thankfully speaking out through social media they all have social media accounts and if you go to stop acid attacks the the instagram page you you can follow them and you can see these women speaking out for themselves and i think more than you beneath your skin uh, what's more important is i wish that one of these days these women can write their own memoirs and that's yeah. my goal that if i ever go back to india and i'm i'm there and if i have the opportunity to be with some of them and if they would like to write their own memoirs i would like to support it because i don't think you beneath your skin does justice to right. what each of them has gone through yeah. and i think each of them their voice is their own and the right to amplify it is theirs the right to speak is theirs and we as a society if we are able to uh, you know gather together for them and support them and let them just be themselves give them their space they don't need our charity they don't need our uh, you know any kind of overtures what what we need is for for us to educate ourselves So that we treat them with the same respect as we treat Anyone else they're not asking for handouts. They're Mm -hmm. not asking for anything special Uh, They just want their space and it is just tragic that as women The only way for them
0: to find their voice was to have their face destroyed Wow That that's powerful. I i remember one of the first times that it it was brought to my attention i saw a victim of an acid attack on the cover of time magazine i was standing in the supermarket line and she she allowed her whole face to be photographed and it, it was so shocking that that a person can do that to another human being and she was talking about the story behind it it was a family member and um you know similar to some of the excuses that people gave um as to why they harmed the other person some some form of rejection or uh, whatever it is it doesn't warrant you know destroying someone and and many women that didn't survive they were killed because of those uh, they're deadly you know so how how do you find that um the movement to stop those attacks that has you feel like those attacks have been less because of the attention that it's gotten uh
1: we call them not victims but survivors survivors so at stop acid attacks like we refer to them all as survivors. survivors they're not victims they are survivors because they survived it and how so yeah. they are survivors uh, first of all And secondly, well, acid attacks look very sensational. So people get shocked and they kind of try to do something in the moment because you're so moved and you're so shocked because it challenges your views or your definition of what humanity is capable of and you kind of rush to correct it if possible Mm -hmm. but I think it's important also to understand where it comes from it Mm -hmm. comes from very deep-rooted patriarchy where uh, it's the worth of a woman is less than that of cattle so and the easy availability of acid makes it very, you know, it makes it very simple. You can destroy someone else's life and get away with it. And the punishment is very, very low. Execution is even lower. Like it's very, very hard because, you know, somebody has masks on and just throws acid on you on a road and runs away. How are you going to catch them? Right. right. In a country of abuse. and more people how Mm. are you gonna catch them right they just disappear they become one with the crowd and that that's that's how they do it I would like to say that the attention that this has gotten has improved the situation but I really feel that though a lot has been done a lot more remains to be done yeah and that's not just in terms of preventing the acid attacks, which of course is the basic fundamental thing, but mm-hmm. it is also in how we accept the woman who has suffered the attack. Because will we be okay with a woman who has suffered an acid attack, who has half a nose gone, mm-hmm. who's getting construction surgery for years, who has no hair, mm-hmm. one of her eyes is bigger than the other eye, her lips are distorted? Would we be okay? having her teach our kids in a school right would we be okay with having her sit in an office right next to us and type maybe her hands are not damaged maybe she's educated would we be okay with that Mm -hmm. now the question is as a society as people as human beings are we willing to extend acceptance and respect that's where the biggest work needs to be done because Mm -hmm. if Attacking somebody with acid does not destroy their lives other than the physical of it then the, the the Inspiration or let's say the heinous inspiration that somebody gets to throw acid would reduce because the whole idea is In India for example is that she has no face. She has no face to come out of the house. I have yeah. destroyed her face so you're not Killing them, you are making it worse than killing someone. so yes. it, is cons- it is worse than death. Yeah. So you're not dead. You're physically suffering, yes, but you are also not able to show your face outside your own room. Wow. If we take that part away, if we are willing to give empathy and love and respect to an mm. acid attack survivor, that's where the battle, you know, mm. will be won. And that's where we begin also the process of educating men about their role in society, this new role in society. Women have been told now that you have a place, you know, you are now uh, not relegated to the kitchen, you can do your own thing, you have your job, but we've not educated men how to deal with this empowered woman how a man can be empowered other than be physically brutal right we haven't yeah. taught men that so yeah. we kind of it this is not going to go away in one generation patriarchy has been in our society for centuries so it's kind of farcical to expect that it'll go away in one generation mm-hmm. it's going to take generations of good work of awareness mm-hmm. for acid attacks or rapes or abuse of women to stop and it's not just men women also who get attacked men also suffer acid attack because it's now used just as a weapon right let's do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's a long answer to a short question
0: no this is this is good stuff And, and it just it also goes to show you the power of the pen and the power of the spoken and written word because it it infiltrates lots of dark places, and and it does help the movement in in um, social justice issues. So I, I'm glad that you know we veered off and, and touched on this really important subject. As, as sad as it is, it, it happens not just in India, it's different area, different parts of the world. The United the United States we struggle, struggle with our with our own issues of darkness, it just looks different. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad that you talked about the organizations that you talked about. Uh, I, I'm hoping that people will be inspired to not just, you know, be shocked and then go on with their lives, but to do something. Once we know better, it's important for us to do better. You know. Um, so are there any author news uh, and, or events that you would like to update our listeners about or remind them about that we've talked about earlier uh, in, in this interview. And then please tell our writer writing community how we can stay in touch with you
1: so now that we are saying we are going to have this podcast up in december i feel happy to announce that the blue bar has been selected by amazon for their amazon first reads in december which means if you are a prime subscriber it will be one of the books that will be available to you uh, or since we are talking in terms of time, and this is right now, so, <laughs> but in December it is available to you, yeah. Google, and you can you can download it for free. The blue bar, and uh, you know, write reviews, please, if you if you can. On please on-
0: t- tell tell uh, tell our listeners about reviews, how important they are to writers. reviews are not
1: essay reviews that we have been used to in our childhood in our schoolrooms. reviews can just be two lines if Mm -hmm. you like the book if you just leave a line on goodreads or amazon or bookbub or even google anything that you find convenient and you just write a line saying i got this book i read Mm -hmm. this book i like this book Mm -hmm. if you want to spend a little more time you can explain why you didn't like it Mm -hmm. you know you can explain why you liked it or why you didn't like it. It's fine for you to kind of write your honest feelings. Mm -hmm. Very few authors would mind and what? honest review and they would really welcome it and the reason they would welcome it is because the more the reviews are on a given site the algorithm rewards it so if it's a good book and it has not ever been reviewed it will sit in anonymity uh, within an algorithm whether it's amazon or goodreads yes. or bookbub but if it does have the reviews it will rise in the algorithm and what you've just done is Mm -hmm. you've not just helped the author but you've helped the reading community by supporting a book the sort of book that you wish there were more of Mm -hmm. so if you like a book and if you feel that there should be more such books you should leave just a one or two line review Mm -hmm. and the author will thank you With more than that the book community uh, will thank you yeah. uh, and especially in the first few weeks after a book's release is a crucial time if you read a book during that time and if you've left a review you've done the book a huge favor because yes. the publisher is watching and they will watch if a book gets great reviews in the beginning and that will help them you know take risks on the same authors again and okay. that way you will increase uh, diversity in your books you will not get the same 10 best-selling authors mm-hmm. all the time I mean, you already have them, right? If you'd like to
0: listen to more voices, write some reviews. That's right. Yeah, there's more room at the top than at the bottom, you know? So, so be generous to, to all of those authors like our guests today. And please tell our uh, listeners how they can stay in touch with you.
1: I am very active on social media. So I am Damyanti G. D A M Y A N T I G on both Instagram and Twitter I am very active on my website which is damyantirights.com and basically if you just google me saying damyanti biswas uh, I show up pretty much at the top. There are not too many Damyanti Biswas no. authors, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: too, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's-
1: so a Damyanti Biswas author, and you should find me on practically everything,
0: the important social media. There you go. Do, so do you have any parting words for our listeners? Love yourself. Yeah. Just love yourself.
1: Be as kind to yourself as you would be to your children when you make a mistake. When you make a mistake be as kind to yourself as you would be to your toddler and when you are feeling sad uh, be as kind to yourself as you would be to your sad friend and when you are having a bad day be as kind to yourself as you would be to your parents if they are unwell. Mm-hmm. And you have sorted.
0: Yeah, love it. Wow, well, I, I really enjoyed our time together. I guess it's time for me to start thinking about bedtime and uh, time for you to think about getting on with your day and doing some writing and what have you, because it's morning for you over there in Singapore. But I have so enjoyed our time together and I can't wait for your next book so that you can come back again and again and again because I think that this is going to be a this is going to be habit forming
1: thank you so much <laughs> Kevin I really appreciate the time and, and and you letting me have a space and a voice and I love the community you created and you know more power to your podcast To all the listeners, please leave
0: reviews for the podcast as well. Yes, that's right. We need reviews. That would be a blessing. But um, I'm glad that you stopped by to hang out with us today. I I love that you said uh, the journey is the destination. And that is specifically for our writers. And I also loved um, that you said morality is a privilege. Um, That's rich so authors and experts and everybody in between i am so glad that you uh, took this time to listen in and don't forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word